in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to start tonight, and and uh, this is a compilation of kind of bringing some a lot of things in because could teach for a very long time on the subject of the Holy Spirit and going deeper. Uh, but I just felt the Lord um, accent some areas. And so we're going to start by just looking at some symbols of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it encourages me because uh, symbols are resemblance or um, they are like uh, the Holy Spirit. And uh, they will help us in a sense of understanding how the Holy Spirit functions or how the Holy Spirit operates. Because function is so important to us as the body of Christ that the Holy Spirit be able to function and that we understand the operation of the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful how the, the worship just creates that environment for, for the word to come forth. And it's already been prophesied beautifully by sister here and uh, about the breath of God. So that's the first uh, symbol that we're going to look at. And some of the scriptures that I'm going to be quoting from are from the New Living Translation or maybe from the New King James. And uh, so you can just follow along and uh, we will just experience the presence of the Lord together. So uh, the symbol of the breath of God. Uh, You probably all uh, recognize the portion of scripture in Ezekiel 37 where it it talks about the valley of dry bones. And we know that that, this was a a portion of scripture that God was wanting to breathe life back into his people Israel and to bring them out of exile and to, to, to restore them. But it's also a message to the church for us that that he wants to breathe on our dry bones. Yes. We sing that uh, Lauren Daigle song, I, uh, Dry Bones Come Alive. And and uh, I believe that's what the Spirit of God is just wanting to sing over us and, yes. and speak over us. And so he wants to release his breath. And in verse 9 it says, Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Wow. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. And so we experience the breath of God and he desires to to blow upon us with his breath tonight so that we can come alive in in, in new ways and experience him in new ways. And just thinking of this place, and I know it seems like you're hemmed in on every side and things are getting taller and taller by the moment, but as we're worshiping, and I I just believe that that the breath of God is, is just going out to this area here. We don't always see the results of it. We don't always see how our praise and worship impacts, but I believe that it is. And, and we can prophesy to the, to the, the, uh, the north, the south, the east, and the west that, that the breath of God would come yes. because we need the breath of God. The church needs the breath of yeah, God. The sure world do. needs the breath of God. Yes. The next symbol I love is the dove. And, um, you know, the dove speaks of the Holy Spirit. The dove speaks of love. And uh, often at weddings we see that picture of a dove. Or, and we know that Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Right. So we want to be motivated by love in everything we do. And we need the Holy Spirit to empower us in this. But um, this particular symbol was seen when Jesus went into the waters of baptism with John the Baptist and uh, it's such a beautiful um, expression, Luke 3:22, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, "You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased." And 
I think it's been said we know that Jesus had, hadn't done anything in ministry up until that point, and yet the affirmation of his father coming down. And I love that picture of the dove resting upon Jesus. And I believe that's what uh, the Holy Spirit desires in our lives. He wants to rest on us. And it was beautiful, the whisper of God. Doesn't that just draw us into that place of, uh, of uh, communion with the Lord and intimacy with the Lord, but just to allow the dove, the Holy Spirit, to rest upon us. And we can be at rest tonight. And, yes. You know, we've been in a process as, as the God's people that of hearing that message that we are his beloved people. We are his beloved sons and daughters, and he's well pleased with us. And for a long time, uh, I don't think that got as deep into our heart as it needed to, but the Lord wants it to be so deep in our heart, and he wants to rest upon us. The next symbol is oil. And uh, in Hebrews 1.9, um, it was also prophesied in Psalm 45.7 that um, this, these words were spoken over Jesus and prophesied about Jesus. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So the oil, the, the, the smearing, the oil of the Lord, and he wants to pour that out upon us. And the oil brings joy, and uh, that's one of the fruit of the Spirit. But it's also when the Holy Spirit flows in our midst that there's joy. Yeah. There's the oil that overflows and joy overflows. Uh, another uh, wonderful uh, symbol that, that I particularly found impacting is a seal. And uh, thinking of all the pomp and majesty that's happening in, in Great Britain right now um, with uh, President Trump being uh, escorted by the Queen and dining with the Queen and all those pomp and majesty that's going on there. Um, you know, we think of that a seal as something that, that, a, that a king or a queen would put upon their communications and, and, and lawyers. So it speaks of authority. It speaks of protection. Yeah. It speaks that we are, um, we, have, we are representatives of the Lord, of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And imagine yes. that he's put his seal upon us, and that seal is the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Ephesians 1.13, In him you also trusted... After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. How wonderful to be sealed with the Holy Spirit, with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 4.30, it says, um, I think it says in there to not to despise prophesying and so on, but and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And uh, when it says grieve, that means that somebody would take a big bucket of water and just pour it out over a fire. It's like, you know, putting the fire out. And, and uh, you know, that can happen. And, but we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to let him flow in our midst. And, and uh, we were experiencing that already tonight. And it was very wonderful and refreshing. Um, the symbol of water. Of course, water is so refreshing, so wonderful. Think of a... Uh, a waterfall that you can stand under and just just be refreshed in the waters of God. And, and he wants to refresh us with his waters. He wants to pour out his spirit upon us. And think of the portion of scripture, and it's familiar to us in John 7, 38 and 39. And uh, it says that Jesus stood up and cried. On the last day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out with a loud voice, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart... Some versions say, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, 
because Jesus was not yet glorified. And it's interesting, you know, this, this didn't just come out of uh, a vacuum. This has a specific meaning. When Jesus stood up on that great day of the feast, it was a particular feast. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. And Leviticus 23 tells of the seven feasts that are called the Feasts of the Lord. And they are, they, some people think, well, well, those are Israel's feasts. But the Lord says, these are my feasts. And they have significance because in every single one, Jesus was prophesied and Jesus has fulfilled many of them in his first coming. And he will feel, fulfill the others, the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles when he comes again. We sang about his coming. I was happy to sing about his coming tonight because we don't often do that. But um, it, it was traditional for the priests on, in the Feast of Tabernacles that they would take a golden pitcher and they would go down to the Pool of Siloam and they would fill that golden pitcher with water and they would process back to the temple and they would be singing from Isaiah 12, 3. Therefore, with joy shall we draw waters out of the wells of salvation. And in that day, shall we say, praise the Lord. And then they poured it out on the altar. And that's a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus. Because if you think of uh, his deity, he's, he is that golden pitcher that the Holy Spirit was poured out from. And um, also, it, it speaks, they, they remember um, when Moses struck the rock and water gushed out. Well, Jesus was struck on that cross. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. And because of that, out of Jesus, out of the rock of our salvation flows that river of living water. So when Jesus stood up, he was declaring and he was fulfilling all that they practiced. Um, They didn't understand it. They still don't. But they were practicing who he was, that he, out of him would flow this amazing river of living water. Water is so, so wonderfully refreshing. And, you know, um, another symbol is wine. They're a little bit different. And in all the Gospels, I think in Matthew um, 17, 9, it talks about you can't put um, new wine into old wineskins. You have to have a new wineskin that's prepared. And it says that in all the Gospels. But water refreshes but wine influences. And so we need the Holy Spirit of God to just influence us, to to move us and and to impact us. And so there there is another symbol as well. Awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. I'm excited about it. It thrills my heart. The Word of God thrills my heart because it's so real and and Jesus becomes so real. Another uh, beautiful symbol is dew. And... uh, we see this in Psalm 133, and I think that this is very significant for us. And it's the heart cry of Jesus in, in John 17. And it says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Most scripture says unity, but I like that harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord pronounced his blessing, even life forevermore. So that, that, that dew. And I like the word harmony because... Uh, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It brings us into unity. It brings us into harmony. And thinking of the gifts that God has placed in his people, the sounds he's placed in his people, and when, when the Spirit of God brings us into that place by, by his power, then that beautiful harmonious flow of who we were created to be and the sights and the sounds and those things that he desires to bring forth 
are so wonderful and so beautiful. Yeah. Next point that I just want to make here is that it's really important to remember that the Holy Spirit is not like a, a light switch that you just flash on and off. Although it can seem like that sometimes because it seems like, you know, when the, the Holy Spirit flows, there's electricity in it, there's excitement in it. But he, he is not an inanimate object. Right. The Holy Spirit is a person. Yes. 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 Thank you, he. Lord. Yes. And, you know, right at the, he's all through the scripture. The Holy Spirit is all through the scripture. And sometimes he expresses himself in very uh, feminine ways because in the... In the image of God, there is that expression. We're made in his image, male and female. And, and so he expresses himself in that way. And in um, Genesis, at the beginning, when it says the Holy Spirit was brooding over the uh, chaos and, 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 the, and the deep, all the darkness that was happening. So right from the very beginning, because he is... He is the wonderful third person of the Godhead. Yes. And uh, we need to understand who he is. We're going to look at the promise of, of the Holy Spirit. I love um, God because he's a promise keeper. <laughs> and we can stand upon his promises. We can trust his promises. And there's a portion of scripture that we often quote and, and we say it. And um, maybe we don't think about it as much as we, we should. But it's from uh, Ze- Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And... You know, that is, is so very true. But it's good to look at the context of that, that um, the governor of Israel that time was Zerubbabel. And he um, governed Judah in the time of 520 to 475 B.C. And he was responsible for building the temple of God. He was responsible for building the house of God. And this was the, what the Lord said to him, not by might, not by right. power, but by my spirit. So he was commanded or he was forbidden to trust in the resources of, of man. Yeah. And in, God has given us wonderful, wonderful gifts and natural gifts and all kinds of different gifts. I love to teach on that as well. But um, that and they're wonderful and they're beautiful and I think we need to honor those things that, that he's given us. But in the midst of that he says, I don't want you to trust in your resources. I want you to trust in my spirit. Because my temple, my house, cannot be built except through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he wants us to be very aware of that. And that's why we need his Holy Spirit so desperately. The most famous um, promise in the, in the Old Testament, of course, is from Joel 2. And I love this. I find myself praying this often. Joel 2, 28 and 29. That says, and it shall come to pass... Afterward, you, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Say all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall have visions. And upon my maid servants and my male servants, yes. I will pour out my spirit in yes. the last days. And uh, it's such a wonderful, wonderful promise. And um, I know that many of us are contending for that and contending in prayer and intercession for our loved ones, for our sons, for our daughters. But it's so wonderful to, to understand that, that um, promise. And the main theme of that book of the Bible was the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is any time that God comes and intervenes in human history. Right. And uh, 
you know, God wants to intervene. He yes, wants, yes, wants us to yes. make room for us, for him, and he wants to come in the midst of us and, and show himself real. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was an amazing uh, promise here because in this promise, all the barriers came down. All the uh, class distinctions, all right. those things that would try to separate us because all flesh is all flesh. But he's very clear about the Holy Spirit being poured out in, in these ways, in beautiful ways. He removed all the sexual barriers, male and female. He would pour out his spirit upon male and female. And, and the generations, there's no age distinction. There's no age right. barrier. He wants to pour out a spirit on all of us. And uh, I, I'm so thankful we have a representative of, of some young um, people here tonight. And it's a blessing to have you here because yes. our Holy Spirit is a generational Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he wants yes. to pour out his spirit yeah. upon us. And I'm really excited. I'm really excited about what he wants to do for the generations that are coming Thank the Lord. All social yes. status was yes. removed. Yes. Um, in, the, in the Old Testament, the, the, the Holy Spirit or the, the anointing or that which represented the, the, uh, the anointing of God was only given to the, the priests and, and uh, to the kings and, and those who were the elite of, of their yes. traditions. But it's wonderful that this promise broke through into every every yeah. level of, of, of life and it's for all of us. It's so wonderful. All the religious uh, um, elite that would claim that they could um, move with the Holy Spirit. First Peter 2.9 says, For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy a nation of people for God's own possession. Called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But I love that. You are a royal priesthood. That, that means we are, we are carriers of yeah. the anointing of God. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and and we are that all flesh. We know that there was an interruption; that time was suspended for about eight hundred years. And uh, I love it in in Acts two fifteen, where Peter says, "This is what was spoken of the prophet Joel." Come on, this is what was spoken. And uh, you know, sometimes people have heard it said, "This is that," you know, just that. This is that. And I was thinking about it when I thought about that uh, Joel. Um, uh, prophetic word and promise so that if if I hear my son sing the song of the Lord or if I hear my daughter sing the song of the Lord or my grandchildren praising and worshiping God or they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in their heavenly languages I said this is that yeah. this is that this is what was spoken this is what was promised yeah, yeah, come on. and uh, nothing is more exciting than that Acts 2 39 says and I love this too for the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. So, so no one is excluded right. from this promise. It's, exactly. it's for all. It's That's for right. all flesh. It's for all of us. You know, words and language are, are such an amazing gift to be able to express. That's why I wanted to talk a little bit about the symbols and, and just some other expressions of, of how the Holy Spirit functions or operates. And, and you know, like um, Pastor Mike said, you know, you might hear something new or you might not, but, you know, it's always new. It's always yes. new. The Spirit of God is always new and creative and beautiful, and, and I love that. And, and so he gives us a language. We can praise God with our uh, natural language or our 
birth language, and we can praise God with our heavenly language. And uh, there's just a beautiful flow, and that's an important word, that the Holy Spirit loves to flow. When you think of a river, it, it flows. It flows, and it's so beautiful. And he wants to teach us how to flow with his presence and how yeah. he would move. And, and we were experiencing that tonight. I loved that. It was demonstrated beautifully. And, and uh, this is what the flow of God is. Out of our innermost being, rivers of living water will flow. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult for individuals to receive the Holy Spirit because um, we're all caught up in our cognitive mind. We, we've had a lot of training and we want to study and make sure everything is right and, and that we're secure and so on. But it, it doesn't happen up here in our head, although we can have God thoughts, but it happens in our deep inner person, yes. out of our innermost being. And something will pop, pop up into our understanding and we'll, we'll get a God thought but it doesn't come through our cognitive mind. It comes out of our innermost being, and he wants to flow. Um, we talked about breath, and, and I love this. When, and when Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I, um, I want you to, to go and do the works that I do and uh, that my Father has done through me. And he said in John twenty twenty two, and when he said this, he breathed on them. Wow, yes. And said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. The Lord wants to breathe on us tonight. Yes. He wants to breathe yes. on me. He wants to breathe on you. And uh, it is that breathing upon us that empowers us to do what mm-hmm. Jesus has called us to do. Yes. And that's that next expression is power. God wants to release his power. In Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Power to to witness, power to express him in this earth. There's many um, meanings for power, but the one that I want us to share tonight is, and you'll recognize it, is dunamis, dunamis power. And it comes from, like, the word dynamite. (laughs) So, you know, that's that's pretty powerful. If a dynamite went off in this place, we'd know it, wouldn't we? And, uh, but the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to intervene in our human history, in our human time right now, and bring his power. And it gives us the moral right and the privilege yeah. to, to do and to act. That's why it's called the Book of Acts, because it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. To be able to act and to be able to do. We cannot do what God wants us to do except by the power of the Holy Spirit. An important thing is to receive. Many of us have, have struggled with receiving. Yeah. Many of God's people, I'm not worthy. I, I shouldn't be here because I'm not worthy. And God has just been working his love into our hearts for us to understand who we are in him. And, and the gifts that he's given us and how he wants us to be able to receive what we need. The ability to receive is a gift. It's such a beautiful gift. And he wants to encourage us to receive. In Acts 2.38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What yes. a wonderful 
yes. gift to receive. Acts 19, 2. There was the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Well, there's probably some in God's church that haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed, since you accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Have you received that outpouring of his Holy Spirit upon your lives? The laying on of hands is an important aspect of the Holy Spirit because it's a way that the Holy Spirit can transfer um, his power, his anointing. He can transmit things through individuals. You know, when you think of it, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that um, the Holy Spirit can flow through you to other people. He can throw, flow through you in healing. He can flow through you in, in just touching a person deeply, whether it's just in the soul realm, the emotions, or, or physically, or in your body, however. And, and he, he wants to transmit himself through us. And, and um, I've recently um, had discussion with, with a young man who is really open to the Holy Spirit and wants more of the Holy Spirit. He's very much in his head and very studious and studying the Word of God. He probably will be a Bible teacher one day, but he wants uh, more of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, an aspect of the Holy Spirit that happens sometimes when there's great power manifest that, that people can fall down with, when someone lays hands on them. And, uh, you know, he was having real controversy about that. But in a very real way, you know, you, you fall down under the power or you're slain in the spirit. That's a pretty radical term. Um, there's a really nice term, though, resting in the Lord. <laughs> um, but it, it's a very real thing. And for those of you who minister to people and you feel the anointing, you feel it physically. Yes. And when you pray for someone, you feel that go through you. Something's transmitted. Something's transferred. And, you know, um, it's not like we lose control right. because the things of the Holy Spirit uh, happen when we yield, when we surrender. And, you know, you can dig in your heels and you can say, no, there's no way I'm going down. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people have done that and they've, the Lord mercifully laid them down to rest. <laughs> anyway, but for most part is we surrender to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't fully understand all the reasons for that and we're not looking for those manifestations necessarily. But when it happens, often the Lord does a deep work. He does inner healing, or he is the great physician. He will rearrange things in our deep heart that can only happen when we're just surrendered to him. And uh, some people call it carpet time or hardwood floor time. Um, (laughs) It's not as comfortable, but if it's the Holy Ghost, it's wonderful. And, you know, he does a deep surgery in our heart sometimes. Not everybody is susceptible to that. It's not necessary. But if it happens, it's because the Holy Spirit has been transmitted through a spirit-filled person who is, by the love of God, wanting to minister to a person and for them to be able to receive. So that's just some manifestation of the laying on of hands. But there were some very powerful things that happened in the Word of God, that the laying on of hands is an important thing. In Acts 8, 14 to 17, it says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, 
They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Yes. So the laying on of hands is a, is a very important aspect of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And there's many places in the Word of God that, that um, talk about the laying on of hands. Remember um, when Paul encountered on the, uh, on, on the road to Damascus where he, he had a severe encounter with the Lord. It's like the, the Lord bypassed his will altogether. Uh, you know, we can't figure it all out or put him in a box. But he was blinded and um, he actually um, went to the home of Ananias. And, and it says in the word that Ananias laid hands on him, on Paul. And he received his sight. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can look up some of those scriptures on your own. We're not going to look at all of them. But um, about Timothy, the, uh, the student of Paul, he said in, in 1 Timothy 4, 4, uh, that don't neglect, right. don't neglect, neglect the gift that is in you that came through the laying on of hands by, by the, the apostles. And so, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a transfer that happens that's powerful and wonderful. And um, also it says in 2 Timothy um, 1, six that we're to stir up the gifts that is in us that we receive through the laying on of hands. The same thing from, from those ministers who carry the anointing of the Lord. Yes. Another uh, term that we love, and I say a lot, I've said it a lot already tonight, is the anointing. Whew. I love the anointing. <laughs> it's an Old uh, Testament term, but it means to be poured out upon, to smear, or to rub with oil. Just being smeared by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the oil poured out. And and we can look in the Old Testament and see when in Exodus 40, when um, Aaron and his sons, they were priests, they were being anointed, and, and they put on special garments, and, and they just poured oil all over them. And, you know, that's a beautiful picture of how the anointing comes and is poured out on us. Isaiah 10, 27 says, The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Ooh. And uh, we we're thankful that, yes, in, in Isaiah 61, 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal broken hearts and yes. sin captives. And in Luke 4, Jesus stood up and he spoke that scripture from Isaiah and he said, Today... Those words are fulfilled in your eyes or yes. in your hearing. Yes. And um, what, a, what a wonderful scripture that Jesus declared. And often I find myself, if I pray for people or minister to people, I will say that to myself. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me yes. to heal broken hearts mm-hmm. and to set captives free. Hallelujah. And uh, so that is the anointing that... That Jesus received in, in um, Acts ten thirty eight. It says, um, "God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the with the Holy Spirit and power, and He went about doing good, healing yes. all who were oppressed of the devil and, and those who were sick." So Jesus Himself relied upon the anointing. What yes. a humbling thing yeah. to think of that—that that Jesus was anointed and able to do what His Father wanted Him to do. In, in Psalm forty two ten, it says. I have been anointed with fresh oil. How many of you need a fresh oil yeah, anointing? Me. I do. Yeah. I know I do. All the time. Fresh oil from the throne of God. Yes, Lord. So we're going to just look at um, a, few, a little bit more terminology that has to do with, with the Holy Spirit and 
receiving the Holy Spirit. And those are three words, filled, baptized, and released. And all of those terms are really talking about the fullness of the Spirit, receiving the fullness of the Spirit. And we can see this happened in the, in the book of Acts where there was that long uh, stretch of time before uh, that uh, prophecy came forth. But Acts 2.4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or the Spirit gave them their ability. We can uh, speak with the Spirit. We can speak with the understanding. We can sing with the Spirit. We can sing with the understanding. It says yeah. in 1 Corinthians how we function in the Holy Spirit. And that's a whole other teaching on the gifts, but it's wonderful and exciting. Ephesians 5.18, it says, And do not be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Right. <laughs> Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So that means we're to be filled and to continue to be filled and to continue to continue to be filled. It's just yes. always coming daily, moment by moment, to the source, the supply, that, that rock that the water gushes forth from, that is Jesus. Jesus. He is the one who fills us. And we want to drink deeply of that supply to baptize, to baptize in water. That means, well, most of us, probably have um, been immersed in water when we received water baptism. Um, we don't get sprinkled because um, it wouldn't be enough to be sprinkled with the Holy Spirit either. We want to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And when we're immersed in the Holy Spirit, it has the ability to absolutely transform us and revitalize us and change us, and it will envelop us as we are baptized and completely surrounded by the Holy Spirit, to be submerged in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, to be Come on. released. We need release. We need release in our human personalities, in our, in our humanity, to be released into the power of the Lord. So we can be filled, we can be baptized, we can be released, however you want to express it. But our human spirit longs to be released yeah. and to be made alive by the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and where our spirits come alive unto God. But there is that wonderful experience of that promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon us. And Thank you, Lord. We're released. And uh, I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, where it says, the spirit of the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into his image from glory to glory, talking about the Spirit of God. But just where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And I believe all of us long for freedom. Right. Long for freedom to, to just be released in our humanity. And it takes you to a, a, a different realm, and that is the realm of the Holy Spirit, the realm of the Lord, the realm of His presence. Yes, Lord. And um, we're just going to look now at the evidence of the Holy Spirit. We're kind of winding down the teaching part, but we're just going to finish this up. And um, again, um, it wasn't just any old day where they gathered up in the upper room. It was, it was at the Feast of Pentecost. Somehow we think that, that you know, Pentecost was named when Acts 2 happened. But Pentecost happened a long time. They, they had been practicing Pentecost through all the Old Testament because it's one of the pilgrimage feasts where they go off from Passover 
and they go up to Jerusalem. They're, they're, they have to. That's part of the law that they had to follow. Go to Jerusalem at Passover. Go to Jerusalem at um, Tabernacles and also at Pentecost. So people from all the nations, Jewish people from all the nations, were gathered in Jerusalem on the Feast of Pentecost. And it's called Shavuot in, um, in, in Hebrew. And it is a great harvest, harvest feast. And, you know, um, many of the things that happened in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit fell, it was a duplication of what happened when Moses went up the mount and there was fire and the, the, the earth shook and there was all kind of manifestation happened. And so that, they're celebrating that, they're celebrating, and, and sure enough, the Lord comes on that very specific, perfect day, and he releases his Holy Spirit upon those who are waiting in that upper room, and there were manifestations that happened exactly. at that time. That's right. It was an exciting thing. But the thing that's really amazing is that that feast is a harvest celebration, and how many thousands, 3,000 were added to God's church because a, the greatest harvest in Christian um, history, I believe, happened because that Pentecost was absolutely experienced to the ultimate on that wonderful time. That's this Sunday. So there was a mighty rushing wind from heaven. Wow. Suddenly there came a mighty rushing wind. It was like a rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. In Hebrew, the, the word for wind or for the spirit or for, for breath is ruach. Ruach HaKodesh, I believe. It's, and the Greek is pneuma. It means um, the power, that breath of God, and it speaks life, power, movement, force. It, the Holy Spirit is, is moving. The Holy Spirit is flowing. He's breathing. He's, he's alive. Yes. He's alive. Thank the and Lord. And he wants to be alive in us. There were flames of fire. Acts 2, 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon them, each of them. And we know that um, John the Baptist prophesied about this, didn't he, in Matthew 3, yes. 11. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And this symbolizes the purging, the cleansing, but also the power of God. He will baptize you. And these things happened. The wind and the fire happened. And then there was that initial manifestation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and that was, we're not going to just look at um, what um, is our opinion about this, but it's what the Holy Spirit teaches us, what the Word says about uh, what happened? Acts two four, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It is that initial scriptural expression of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and and um, in every case in the Word of God where the, the the disciples were waiting, they all were filled. They all spoke in their heavenly language. Um, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the Gentiles, they all spoke in their heavenly language. Every indication in the Word of God, they did speak in their heavenly language. And, you know, um, oftentimes there's a lot of controversy about it, and we kind of maybe tiptoe around it, and because, you know, there's been, you know, some things like, oh, those Pentecostals, those Holy Rollers, those, you know, extremists. Um, but we can be confident because it's in the Word of God, yes. and it's consistent in every time. And because it is the one gift of the Holy Spirit that's given to us for our own personal 
being built up. Build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying the Holy Ghost, Jude 20 tells us. That's and right. so it's a wonderful gift, but it's a wonderful thing when we receive that unction of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gives us the ability, and I, I call it my first language. It's my first language, my Holy Spirit language. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. In these instances, the baptism of the Spirit was concise, definite, instantaneous happenings, and one factor was consistent. They all spoke in their heavenly language. And, and you know, you just, you just need to just study it, and you'll see these things are, are so. And we don't have to get all frustrated about it. Sometimes people receive it instantly, and, and then other times people receive it when they're driving home in their car or in the shower when they're getting the water poured all over them, and they just begin to speak or sing, or when we're singing in the Spirit, it can happen. So I don't want people to feel under pressure or oh I can't I can't do this I can't do this <laughs> I can't make it up I hear people say often well, of course we can't make it up but but the Lord wants to give us this gift because we need it yes um, just looking at Paul's encouragement regarding tongues he says in 1 Corinthians fourteen eighteen, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all mm-hmm. to me if if it was good for my brother Paul, Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, then it's good enough for me. It's the Holy Spirit and fire and it's keeping me alive. Hallelujah. And in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, says, do not forbid to speak in tongues. And there's, there's diverse tongues and that whole teaching, I love to teach on uh, the gift of tongues and interpretation because it's almost unheard of in the church. <laughs> in the, we as Pentecostal people, um, we, it's, it's often unheard of, and, and so there's a lot of controversy and misunderstanding about it, but it is a wonderful gift that God's given yes. to us that we can be built up. So, again, we go back to that receiving, receiving the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be able to receive. We receive Jesus first and foremost. If we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we are candidates for the baptism the release, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Some people say, it, it's the ghost of Jesus. <laughs> that may sound a little sac- a sacrilegious, but it's really true because he said, I will send another helper, another helper, and he will teach you all things. And that another means that I will send someone who is just like me, beside me, yeah. who will help you do the same works that I do. If I was with you, the, the same miracles that would be coming from me, the Holy Spirit will help you. So, in a very re- real sense, Jesus went and he left his ghost for us to enjoy. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're to desire the Holy Spirit. Yeah. God wants us to give us desire. When he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it says desire spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. That's a whole another dynamic. But desire is important. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Desire. Yes. So we want to have that Holy Spirit desire. And we could relax. We can be at peace. We don't have to be anxious for anything. We can be relaxed. We can let the dove rest on us and experience the fullness of the Spirit. And so we receive from Him. We receive and we respond. And I think we respond by just allowing ourselves to enter into that expression of our, of our heavenly language, 
I'm just going to ask my husband to read a portion of scripture because I love the way he reads the word. <laughs> um, the scene uh, described here is in uh, Acts 19, and uh, it's really quite amazing. It's quite encouraging. And Paul had arrived in Ephesus. Uh, he found a few believers there, and um, the evidence spoken here is they had not even heard of Pentecost. They hadn't hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit being poured out. And so uh, it's, it's, there's only 12 of them. It says here, and I was just thinking as you were talking about the, the uh, day of Pentecost, when 120 were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and uh, in this case, one-tenth of that amount uh, heard about the Holy Spirit. We think we have small groups when we have church, and how exponential God works through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, chapter 19, verse 1, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. That was a water baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, after John, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. And then some other incidents happened in Ephesus, and in verse 20, how amazing this says. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. That's for us. Yes. For us. Awesome.